We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how you doing? Ivy Nation Sports Talk up and rolling. Welcome to the show, along with Jesse Styers, and as you can see, a special participant today, Ryan Roberts, and Malik Zaire is going to be with us here in a few minutes as well. I mean, Jesse, this this day started off, we were kind of like, what are we going to talk about? And then, <laughs> like, just in the last hour and a half or so, this whole thing is blown up. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, luckily for us, that that gets the uh, the good old numbers up, the likes up, the ratings up, all that stuff. When big <laughs> yeah. news like this happens, because it gives us something to talk about, and obviously we get to be joined by the great Ryan Roberts. Good to see That's you, right. Ryan. It's good to see you guys too. I wish it was in different circumstances, but it's yeah. also also yeah. great to see you guys. No kidding. <laughs> Salty has already told me that uh, he mentioned. I didn't realize there was not a show earlier today you know so this is the only one today so that's part of why we've got this jam-packed we've got again recruiting talk we've got Foskey committing and and some you know again more stuff that doesn't have to do with either one of those things with Malik Zaire tonight and Salty says he's trying to skip a meeting where they identify the cure for cancer so this show better be worth something so we're going to put it all on Ryan um, right off the top unfortunately the unfortunate news today that Dylan Roberts, the running back from the state of Kansas, has decommitted. And of course, Ryan is our recruiting guy. So let's just go right to it, Ryan. We were talking a little bit off the air. What happened with Dylan Edwards? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a very abrupt uh, decision by Dylan, if we're being completely honest, right? Like we had been hearing some things about, you know, that there's going to be a few schools that are going to kind of be, you know, throwing the uh, throwing different options at them and giving them their pitches. I mean, of course, we're only a couple of weeks now until the early signing day period, obviously ending. So there's going to be there's a lot of schools that were coming out after Dylan, and I think that you know you saw a couple of days ago that the offer was extended from Deion Sanders to Colorado. That would be kind of without much intel aside, like that. That would be my guess to where he ultimately ends up. But I think that it's just. A lot of schools were doing the full court press on them. There were different things that some schools were offering that Notre Dame isn't able to offer, right? So I think that when you you, you kind of put everything together a little bit, there were just decisions were made based upon what some schools can give that Notre Dame maybe isn't open to giving. Ryan, I thought it was interesting too that uh, you know we saw the pictures 
of Marcus Freeman with Dylan Edwards just from a couple days ago, and you have the big banners and it says committed and all that stuff. So to me, you know, there's always there's always guys who are going to flip last second, right? Maybe throw a curveball at you. But to me, I guess that was the most surprising part, considering the coaches were just out there. They made a concerted effort to go out there and see him as well. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, Jesse, it's wild, man. Like, you want to see how, how the recruiting world can flip upside down? I mean, literally, Marcus Freeman and Dylan McCullough and, and those guys were out to see Dylan yesterday. And like you said, you see the picture where looks happy. He's got the committed stuff in the back. Everything looks fine. You know, you're just kind of hitting the situation like, you know, you hear some rumblings, but then you kind of, you know, you see the picture and you're like, okay, you know, maybe everything's solid and everything's good type of thing. But you know, unfortunately, you know, Dylan kind of let this let the rest of the class know a few minutes before he kind of put the post on Twitter that this was a decision that he was making. And uh, I know part of the decision that he wanted to kind of just put out there was this is a loaded Notre Dame class. And we are fully aware of that. And they have four true wide receivers in the class. They have two running backs in the class. And Dylan was going to kind of play a hybrid role of playing some slot receiver, being kind of that gadget guy, playing some running back. And kind of a big reason that he wanted to kind of just parlay to the class was, you know, it's it's no due respect. It's just the class might be a little too full in some certain spots that might also hinder my playing time at some points, right? So it is it is wild, though, just to see how quickly recruiting can turn. Because, again, I woke up this morning feeling solid about where Dylan and Notre Dame was. And then all of a sudden, just like that, the landscape changes a little bit. So it's it's very volatile, to say the least. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan, Vince and I were talking the other day about, remember back at the end of the season when Braden Lindsay was asked about if his season has been frustrating and the answer that he gave, he mentioned how the NIL was good here at Notre Dame. So I, I, I'm curious, maybe, you know, as someone, you know, who who talks, you know, to recruits and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, I don't know how much it comes up in the recruiting process, but do you have an idea of of what Notre Dame 
is able to do from an NIL standpoint, especially, you know, especially when it comes to recruiting and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a conversation that happens all the time, Sean, because I mean, it's the landscape that they, that they live in. Right. So the Notre Dame coaching staff has to tackle it. If you're avoiding it, then you're not going into the full and steering into the, um, steering into the void, right? Like you have, you can't avoid it at this point. This is a, this is a reality that we're a part of. And I know that, you know, the recruits that I've talked to, I, I think that there's just a difference of what's important short-term versus long-term, right? Like short-term Notre Dame's not going to misuse the term NIL and just throw handouts out there, the pay for play stuff, right? They're not going to do that type of stuff, but what Notre Dame can provide is, and you hear from the four for 40 perspective, right? The, yes, Notre Dame players, they make money. There's no doubt about it. But they make the NIL money the way that it's intended to, right? Working with companies to utilize their image, their likeness, and to make a profit off of that. So Notre Dame fans, I mean, folks, let, let, let's not get this twisted, right? Notre Dame football players make a lot of money. They do. Because Notre Dame is still one of the biggest brands in college football, arguably the biggest brand in all of college football. It is. So they're going to make money. But then I think it's more – understanding how to invest that money. What's the long-term applications of being able to utilize your name, image, likeness to not just be set for the next year, the next semester, the next four years, to be set for the rest of your life. So Notre Dame doesn't steer away from it. They understand it's the real real thing. It's just they're never going to utilize it like some schools do where they're just going to say, we're giving you $2 million up front and we're not going to show you how to invest and how to use it properly. Ryan, another question I had for you. Would you say that it's fair that Dylan Edwards' biggest like roster comparison right now to, to who Notre Dame has, would you say that's that's kind of a Chris Tyree type of player? And then the second question I had for you um, is overall, what do you think that this effect has? Like it, taking out of, you know, all, all just sitting back and looking at it as a class perspective, the whole class, all the recruits that they have, what does it, what does it look like losing Dylan Edwards in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I want to tackle the second part first, Jesse, because I think it's a great question, I would say for me, look, we, t- we, me and Brian literally talked about this yesterday on the show. This is an incredibly deep 2023 class for Notre Dame. They have, kind of like what I was just talking about, you have four true wide receivers in this class, and it's a tremendous class, even without Dylan. Running backs, you have Jeremiah Love, you had Jane Lamar, tremendous running backs, and they're also bigger, so they present a different profile than what a Five foot nine, 165 Dylan Edwards plays. And then you also got a commitment yesterday from Brandon Hillman, the talented athlete out of Churchland High School in the state of Virginia, who also could play running back, could play wide receiver. So you have seven options at running back and wide receiver in the 2023 class. Does it stink to lose a dynamic athlete of Dylan Edwards caliber? Absolutely. He's a 4 3 athlete, right? Like everybody wants that type of dude, which is why there's so many schools that are put in their putting their pitch out there. Everyone wants that. It's a loss. Make no mistake about it. But I do think that Notre Dame's done a tremendous job with the depth that they've created in this class to say, hey, it stinks, but we'll be okay. We'll be fine. And then to your first question about the best comparison, I actually don't think there's a perfect comparison on the roster right now, which is why Dylan was going to be so unique. You know, Chris Tyree is a true running back that can do things in space a little bit. Dylan Edwards is more of a true space player. He's like that true slot receiver that can work in space, RPO game, could also you know get some jet sweeps, work out of the backfield at spots. I would say that the thing that makes it a little easier of a loss to handle is that you also did get Caleb Smith here about a you know about a couple of weeks ago, the wide receiver out of Texas, who's more of that true slot receiver, right? He's not the same as Dylan. You're not gonna like line him up in the backfield or anything like that. 
but as a jet sweep guy that works in the slot, I think Caleb uh, Caleb Smith, excuse me, I think he does kind of soften the blow a little bit. And I mean, I think stylistically, Dylan Edwards is a DeAnthony Thomas type. More in the Notre Dame terms, this is what they hoped Lawrence Keyes would be or a C.J. Sanders or someone okay. in that ballpark. But I do think that having a guy like Caleb Smith does soften the blow of having that true slot in the class. Brian, you know, I see people talking about, you know, other potential decommitments and, and that kind of stuff. It, it, where we stand right now, we're a little bit less than two weeks, two weeks from yesterday, I guess, for signing yeah. day. So are we, you know, any, any concern about losing anybody else in the near future? I really don't, Sean. And I know this one kind of like poked up pretty quick. So like some people are going to say, you know, but, you know, anything could happen. And you're right. Anything could happen in the world of recruiting. It is a volatile world. But all I'll say is if you have any concerns or you want the kind of latest updates, boards.irishbreakdown.com, we will give you guys the, as quickly as we can the intel behind the scenes. But as as for now, there's going to be a couple of guys that people are going to keep throwing the names out because they're guys that we've heard about for months I, I think that the class is pretty strong intact. Notre Dame definitely has to do their due diligence to kind of close on this class. And, you know, I'll be interested to see because, you know, there might be a couple other options that will be on the board that Notre Dame might look for to, you know, kind of fill the last role or two in this in this 2023 class as we kind of close it out. But I, I think for the most part, I feel very solid about where the rest of the class is for Notre Dame. All right, and then um, real quickly, Isaiah Foskey declaring for the NFL draft uh, today, of course, 26 and a half career sacks. I know that there's kind of been talk on Isaiah maybe slipping a little bit with his play this year in terms of of draft, and you cover the, the NFL draft as well. Where do you see him potentially right now? Yeah, it, it's an interesting conversation honestly Sean because I think most people I mean if you look at like the way too early mock drafts and then mock drafts even into the season right on the media side of things you're going to see Isaiah Foskey's pretty frequently in the first rounds you are but I think that there's some people on the NFL side that wanted to see Isaiah take more of a bigger step this year right like he's still productive obviously because he's an incredible talent I mean 6'5 260 with vines athletic kid obviously so there's still going to be a lot of suitors because you need those types of guys at, at defensive end at the edge position. But I do think that his play was a little uneven at times, right? There's some games where he looked fantastic, other games where he was solid but unspectacular. So I think that the NFL is has a little bit of a mixed feeling on Isaiah Foskey. I think there's definitely some teams that will be willing to draft him in the first round. But then I do think there's some teams from everything I've heard that have some more like late day two type of grades, which is more second to third round conversation, right? So I, I still think ultimately when he goes and tests at the combine, and I know he has at least one all-star game invite that hasn't been announced. You know, we'll see if he gets the senior bowl. But at worst, I think it's going to be an East-West Shrine performance. So if he dominates the all-star circuit, he tests relatively well. I still think he's going to go in the top 50, but I would say that the opinions on Isaiah Foskey are a little bit mixed around the league right now. Ryan, I wanted to ask you something kind of following up with that. You know, Foskey went through a new defensive scheme this year, and you look at Notre Dame's kind of front seven on paper. He's the guy uh, as a, on an offensive standpoint that you're going to scheme for considering the success that he had in the past. And you look at Notre Dame's linebackers, you know, that we know that that's not one of their strongest groups, and you can see that on film. So to me, a lot of it has to, that has to be taken into a, an account and kind of with a grain of salt, considering, you know, Foskey's play might not have been, you know, that step that you were talking about this season, 
But sure. I mean, when you when you look at as an offensive coordinator, you 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 pinpoint a guy and say this guy is not going to ruin the day for us, and you can make the case that that was every game Isaiah Foskey. So for me, I really want to see him test in the combine. I want to see mm-hmm. you know these All Star games, and I think that's going to make his push from maybe day two up to you know top twenty. I really think that how he tests is going to be very indicative of you know how he sits with these NFL teams going forward. I don't disagree at all, Jesse. The, people always ask me, what does testing really matter for for certain positions? It matters for the edge position. It does because you see those guys that are dominating in the National Football League, The whether you're talking about the true hand in the dirt guys like the Miles Garrett's or you're talking about the stand-up rushers more in the Von Miller mold, all those guys are freak athletes. They are. And right. the athleticism, the three-cone, the 10-yard split, the explosiveness, those things do really matter like I'm looking at the broad jump I'm looking at the three cone I want to see how explosive the guy is how loose the guy is so I think Isaiah does have an opportunity to go to an all-star game and we know that all-star games whether you're talking about the shrine bowl or the senior bowl are games where the one-on-ones matter more than anything right like no one cares about the game scouts leave before the game they want to see those one-on-one pass rush opportunities in you know stacking up against some of the best offensive linemen in the class and if he does well in those, shows some nuance to his game, and he tests incredibly well, I think that he will be in that conversation as well. I do think he still has a chance to be a first-rounder. I, I will say this, though. The only thing is is that since there's a little bit of back and forth on the quality of play this season, because I agree with you, there is a grain of salt, right? It's Isaiah Foskey without question. You know that number seven is the guy that you need to stop. And right. it's not his fault if – other guys didn't maybe take the necessary step to get him more one-on-one opportunities, right? That's not necessarily his fault. I think what people are troubled with is that they didn't see the hand usage really evolve. They didn't see the the nuances of playing the position really take a step yeah. forward. Obviously, he's a freak. He's long. He's explosive. All those good things. So ultimately, I do think that he will start to ink up and rise in this class. It's just he's putting a little pressure on himself with not having maybe the most dynamic season that now it's necessary that he does really well in the all-star circuit and he tests very well leading up to the draft. Yeah, so would you say that Foskey's kind of biggest weakness right now as a defensive end is his arsenal of kind of moves and getting, you know, getting to the quarterback essentially. It just seems like That's he's kind of a, saw. Just, a bull you know, rusher of anything. Just, he doesn't have, yeah. you know, the, the hands. He doesn't have the dip yeah. and rip, the elusiveness, maybe a spin move. You know, they don't teach you to spin, obviously, because you're, you're exposing your back. But still, it felt like that he didn't have a repertoire of moves to get to the quarterback and he kind of was one-dimensional in that uh, aspect. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That That is easily the biggest question because he has the production. I mean, he has back-to-back double-digit sack seasons, right? Again, when you're talking about how you draw up a defensive end at the next level, you're talking Isaiah Foskey. You're talking 6'5", th- probably has somewhere around 34-plus-inch arms. He's got the bulk, 260, 265. And he's a good enough athlete where – I mean, he's more of a 4-3 defensive end, in my opinion, but some teams that maybe run a little more on front can say he might be a stand-up rusher in our 3-4 alignments, right, Right. in the base. So I think that Isaiah Foskey has all the tools. That's never been a question. It's about – and to no fault of his own to a degree, right? Like he was more a tight end in high school at De La Salle, and he's really still learning, and he was kind of eased along early in his career. So there's hope for Isaiah Foskey. I still think Isaiah is going to be an incredible player on the NFL level, it's just to that day one impact. Does he have the nuance to his game? Does he have the hand usage? Does he have the pass rush plan to come in and be an immediate contributor as a high volume sack guy? I think that's where people are, are questioning a little bit. But from a power perspective, from a length perspective, from an athleticism perspective, 
Nobody doubts those things. Isaiah has a freak of nature. It's just now about tear, turning his game from a great athlete and a good football player to a great athlete and also a great football player. I was just about ready to bring Malik Zaire in, and it looked like we might have lost him <laughs> there. He's been trying to connect a few times. I think he's been driving someplace. So uh, hopefully we get him back here real quick. I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, I don't know how much more a guy like Isaiah Bosky can boost his stock though. Do you like, I mean, he's done it. It seems like just about everything he can do at the college level right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's, there's improvements that he could have made, but to our, you know, to our original conversation about what he can do in the draft process, right. We're going to have the underwear Olympics at some points, right. Sure. There's going to be some scouts that are, he's going to walk by. Someone's going to fall in love with him when they see that V and everything else, you know, they're gonna be like, that guy looks like, Miles Garrett, on <laughs> you does. know, just from a physical perspective, right? Like they're going to see that guy, and they're going to be like, and some people, and this is going to sound harsh, and I know people are going to take it the wrong way. There is something though to it when the guy has traits and has physicality like that, that you kind of forgive some faults in their game, right? So you right. can forgive them a little bit because you're saying, but I can get the best out of them. I can get that. Right. So again, I think Isaiah is going to be a tremendous football player at the next level. There's no doubt. It's just about harnessing all the traits he has with more nuance in his game. There's Malik. He is looking at us. He is ready to go. How you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been in and out. I was I was losing connections so much, and I was getting it back. So I'm finally I'm glad I'm on. Glad glad that glad that you're here. We you know we were watching you kind of dance around in your car there a little bit, a couple of different times. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, I was I was hearing you guys, but I didn't hear myself. It was it was weird. All right. Well, it. it it might have just been because of this, you know, backstage setup and all that kind of stuff. Ryan, appreciate you jumping in with us tonight, as always, my man. I, and um, uh, Brian said to pass along that that you guys are going to be talking more about, of course, Isaiah Foskey on tomorrow's show as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate you all. All right. Take care, Ryan. What Just kind of your uh, initial thoughts, Malik, and of course, Malik, Former Notre Dame quarterback, co-host of the Lucky Lefty podcast with Sean Davis, and uh, you know part of the the, uh, the the IB platform. I don't think anyone's too surprised about Isaiah Foskey taking off. Uh, what do you think about his decision today? Yeah, I think him and Michael Mayer decision was just something that it was like a great culmination of good job, and you did everything you could for the university. You both set a lot of great records had a lot of great wins and a lot of great uh, things that you've done for this football team. I think this bowl game, especially it, uh, it helps with them deciding to go to the draft because it helps our young guys get an opportunity to show what they can do for the future. Yeah. I think this is what this bowl game is all about, especially since we're not playing for the championship just yet. Next year, I think we'll make the playoffs, of course, because it's 12 teams. It's not 12 to the nation better than us. So, but this year, it's definitely about growing those young guys in the bowl practice and getting ready to see who's going to be our future stars. Jaden Thomas had a great bowl practice last year, and he ended up being a, a, a huge help for us this year coming into the season. So I'm expecting to see some more young guys flash. But for Isaiah Falsky and Michael Mayer deciding to go to the league, I mean, you can't ask them for much more, man. They've given everything they can. And obviously, selfishly, we want to see them play. But, you know, it's been decision for those guys now yeah absolutely well you know the reason that we asked you to come on there's plenty of quarterback stuff to talk about and that's right up your alley 
of course. It, the, the whole, gosh, it's almost been like a week since Drew Pine. It's one of those things that seems like it's already been a month almost since it happened, you know. But so not just the decision to transfer, but the timing of the whole thing. W- what did you think about, you know, the, the situation with Drew and, and deciding to, to jump out right now? Well, I think Marcus Freeman had an honest and transparent conversation, something that the last coach with BK, I don't think he would have had. He probably would have told Drew a day before next year's Ohio State game that we're probably going in another direction. So I'm glad that it was fair and it was transparent. And it gave Drew an opportunity to have three years at another school and build a lot of good tape with a team that's, that didn't expect him to start, but definitely was uh, lucky to have throughout the season and what we can consider a transition year. You know, Malik, I was thinking about it and what you just said. Tell me what you think about, you know, Drew Pine obviously got what what that taste of what it means to be a starter, right? And not only did he get a taste of what it means to be a starter, he was 8-1 and one as a starter, 8-2, and two, sorry if my numbers are off. So to me, what do you think that that plays into his decision to leave? Like, once you get the, the taste that you can be a starter at a big-time school and play against big-time opponents, you're going to want to continue to play elsewhere, you know, when a team says, hey, we're, we're going to be looking into the portal here this offseason. Yeah, I think was, uh, with the being able to be 8-2 as a starter, get a lot of great film, and and kind of play beyond your means. I, don't, I didn't think that, uh, you know, he was the third string the year before, and then to be the backup this year, I think he – was excited to be able to take advantage of this opportunity. But there are definitely schools, especially now with six ACC starters transferring, uh, you know, stuff like that with the quarterback carousel. Drew can find himself in a lot better and unique situation to where he can grow in that position and also uh, not have to worry about looking over his shoulder. I just think at Notre Dame, we're taking the next step at a championship tier level and it's going to require a little bit more of an X factor at that position. And I think for Drew to be able to recognize that is smart on his part to be able to graduate and also have three years to do it somewhere else as well. What about Tyler Buckner? You know, there's, there's some people don't really seem to want Tyler to play in this bowl game for whatever reason. What, what do you think about that? Well, 100% he should play in this bowl game because it's an audition tape. Uh, Marcus Freeman already told these guys, especially Drew Pond, we're getting the guy in the transfer portal. This is a good opportunity to show uh, kind of where Tyler's at. He really hasn't had the experience as a full-time starter for longer than two games and hasn't remained healthy for longer than three games. So I think it's, it's important for him to to get his get his feet wet again and kind of lead Tommy Reese and Ashton staff with a better taste in their mouth going into the portal and feeling like it not only can be maybe a competition, but uh, the window for uh, Tyler Buckner still hasn't passed just yet. And I think we'll get a kind of a, a tell with these practices and going into the game. Malik, I, I talked about this last week about my opinion on Tyler with Tyler Buckner rejoining the team and being the starter starting quarterback. My question for you is, what kind of process is it to become, you know, a guy that's coming off injury, a guy that hasn't played, you know, sent for 10 games now, what that synchronization looks like between him and, and the rest of the team, considering, you know, the team is in a much different state now from when he left, when his injury happened, right? Like the offensive line is 10,000 times better. The running game is obviously way better. So I know that you've had injuries before and then, you know, trying to come back is, 
What is that synchronization process like? And is it tough for a quarterback to kind of catch up to where the rest of the team is now compared to when he got hurt? Well, it works if the offensive coordinator is on your side. And I think Tommy's giving him enough of a chance to be able to get, like I said, that audition tape back in back in the swing of things, but also be able to uh, show how the evolution of the offense is going to be. There's no more Michael Mayer, so it's going to be a totally different look in this bowl game because 87 is not going to be out there. So That's the receiver right. room is going to have to step up tremendously, which is what we expected Tyler to be able to do into this year and giving the receivers a lot more love, knowing that we can throw the ball consistently past 20 yards, which is brings back his main key is Lorenzo Styles. That was the guy that was supposed to be the X factor for this for us this year. His roommate is Tyler Buckner. I really believe that Lorenzo struggled a little bit just because he was expecting his guy to be in there with TB. Now that TB is back, expect Lorenzo to have a better showing, but also allowing those other receivers to show their stuff as well with Tobias Mayweather hoping to get some time. Jaden Thomas taking a bigger role in this game, but also Lorenzo making some action. Now that 87 is in there, the run game is still very viable. Hopefully Tommy doesn't consume the run game with running with Tyler Bugner. The reason why he got hurt in the first place, you got three experienced running backs that can do a lot. Tyler can be an addition, but doesn't have to be the main factor in the run game. So I do think, there's a lot of pieces that are surrounding Tyler that can help him get through a game like this. I know he's going to be a little rusty. Of course, sorry if you haven't played all season, but the rusty that you'll have at Notre Dame is less than what you'll get somewhere else, uh, especially <laughs> in college football. So Tyler has everything in front of him. He has all the opportunity. It's really his spot to lose at this point. I'm excited to see what transfer we get. I mean, there's about a million options in the league. I mean, in, in the transfer portal, but – uh, you know, one thing's for sure, you can build a team in one year now that there's so many transfer portal guys anyway. Yeah, I mean, right. look at USC, obviously. Are there are there any, you know, we have someone in our in our chat queue here, you know, thoughts on the top three portal targets. I mean, who the, who the top three are is probably, to, you know, it's like everyone's got a different top three. Are there, are there any of these guys who stand out to you as, you know, like maybe, a, you know, the, the best fit to come in here into this situation? I think a dark horse is uh, the quarterback from Central Michigan. He was under a good system. So you know the quarterback can play in the weather conditions. But other than that, it's all Sinkar, um, Jeff Sims, I think uh, Spencer Sanders, and uh, – who else? It's the major one I'm forgetting. I'm just drawing a blank on. Hopefully Drake May decides that North Carolina isn't it, and we can <laughs> and we can snag a Drake May. That'd be but, nice I, I, <laughs> but I am excited to see. I mean, this is a huge, huge offseason for Tommy Reese specifically to not get this wrong. And I'm expecting to see him take a, another level in who he gets in the transfer portal because it's going to determine a lot about the offense moving next year, regardless of the amount of recruits and, and talent that we get. Yeah. Malik, what kind of what kind of big change would you like to see between the Drew Pine offense and the Tyler Buckner uh, bull offense? I think you kind of hinted at it a little bit more. Uh, but to me, it seems like you got to be able to take your shots downfield with Buckner, especially considering you don't want him to be in any of these design run plays. You don't want him taking hits. So for me, I would like to see more of some downfield uh, passes and him kind of letting that arm loose a little bit. Well, with no 87, I'm expecting the receiver room to shine. 
uh, especially the young guys coming in, Braylon Edwards, Jaden uh, Greyhouse, uh, <laughs> our guy that just committed, uh, and Brandon, uh, uh, and Brandon himself, who is a dynamic player. I think he's like a Kadarius Tony type of player, but he also can play defense. So it's going to be an interesting uh, way to see how they are able to uh, fit uh, Brandon Hillman in. But Tyler Buckner has the arm that we've seen in uh, on on tape in high school. Uh, he has the ability with his legs. I think this is the most dynamic we'll be able to get uh, under center that we've had in a, in a few years. And hopefully with the amount of talent, Tommy can recognize it early enough to be able to take those shots. I think with the tight end kind of hindered us a little bit in terms of that was Drew security blanket. But I think the receivers, especially Renzo Styles and all the young guys that we have and Tobias Mayweather who can make plays will be the new uh, comfort blanket for Tyler Buckner to push it downfield. The run game is still going to be there, probably more effective now that Tyler's back in the saddle with those three running backs. But we'll see how it goes. Darian Price is, is making a comeback as well, somebody to keep an eye out for as well. That's true. That's very true. So, they okay, so let's assume they, they've got a, a, a quarterback they bring in through the portal. And we're assuming that this is a guy who's got experience. That's why you're bringing somebody in. In the spring, in fall camp, whenever, is this is this a true open competition for who's the starter next year? Because again, we've had some people say, "Well, you're bringing a starter in; you're just you, you make him the starter." What do you think about that? Yeah, I think if it's the right guy, if we get if we get the experienced enough guy to come in and be the day one starter, I think it will help Tyler be able to work himself back into being a starter. Uh, he still is unproven in himself, not being able to have as many games just yet. We think he's flashed a lot in some instances, but he's also flashed some things that is not quite ready to beat a Georgia in game day when it comes time. So I think having a transfer will not only help Tyler get back on track in a year where he could get some time here and there, sort of how he did with Jack Cone, but also be able to learn a lot from an experienced veteran that there's guys in the portal that are experienced and ready to play now. And I think if we just add a little bit of a, a X factor component to our quarterback position while Tyler gets back on speed, I think we have a good chance of not missing that playoffs and damn near uh, for sure not missing a, a championship run for it. Yeah. All right. So Malik, somebody tipped me off to this yesterday. If Malik is still with us right there, he just. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, you went dark there for a second. I was worried. So somebody just tipped me off to this yesterday about Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser going on this Adam Brenneman podcast. Have you heard or seen any of this, like some of the stuff? Yes. I was able to, you know, Deshaun is probably his first interview in a long time on a, on a platform like this. So yeah, it's good to see him uh, come back. So to the internet, <laughs> one of, yeah, that's right. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is Deshaun said, like during the recruiting process, he had no contact with Brian Kelly, basically, like until he committed to Notre Dame. And I'm curious if it was the same for you. And obviously with Marcus Freeman, there's a big difference in how much difference that makes when the when the head coach is out there having contact with these guys. Yeah, it's definitely a good security blanket when the head coach got your back. I think Brian Kelly being – well, I think having Marcus Freeman being the lead of recruiting 
And being in guys' faces gives that extra uh, security that guys feel good about coming there. Uh, he sets the tone, and I think it's it's, it's shown a lot what how much the head coach can determine the tone setting of the culture of the program and where it can go when the head coach is in the lead of that. And we've seen in one year how much that can change from an impact in a culture standpoint. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. So I had a couple, I had a couple clips that uh that I wanted to play. From uh, from this interview that Deshaun did with uh, Deshaun Kaiser did with the uh, Adam Brenneman show, and one of them, you know, again was about the relationship. Uh, I guess that he didn't have <laughs> with his head coach, with the same head coach you had, and and uh, you kind of referenced it a little bit earlier um, about the uh, the I guess lack of relationship and let me see if i can find it here on my computer here it is so i'm going to go ahead and play what he said right now about the relationship or or lack thereof with brian kelly here at notre dame i'm there i didn't didn't really have a or have a relationship with brian you know it was it was all ball you know we we only talked about ball um we only you know we only saw each other out in the field you know there wasn't really a a you know mono mono situation there so that that was a uh you know, once again, I, I, it's, it's the reason why I feel so so strongly about there needs to be a guy, and that guy needs to have a relationship, and he needs to be yeah. the voice of the team, and, and you, you know yeah. you need to trust in, in his in his leadership, and and that wasn't necessarily my my, my college situation because I had Malik Zaire, and 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 you know if 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 there, if Malik didn't beat me out my first year, who knows? It could have been completely different. I think you know maybe quarterbacks before me probably wouldn't would wouldn't agree that that's how they were. You know maybe a Tommy Reese or someone who played for quite a bit. Like those guys might have had good relationships with BK, but for me, it wasn't. It was never like that. It was, you know, I was I was competing for my job every day. I made a bad pass. He made sure I knew I made a bad pass, and made sure I knew that there was another guy who was going to come take my job if I continued to do that. So Malik, was was your relationship with your head coach? You got a smile on your face. Was your relationship with your head coach any different than what Deshaun was talking about there? Uh, no, it's definitely what it was. I think at the end of the day, Coach Kelly has a, a old style of going about coaching, and it's not relationship-based. So uh, you definitely got to be on your toes, and I think that's what kind of drives the whole uh, uh, it, the stale process that became of what Brian Kelly's tenure was because 10 years of, of not having a 
consistent knowing of where the program stood, especially at the quarterback position, it gives some anxiety to you. You know, it's hard to get a guy that has a good poker face like Brian <laughs> Kelly does the whole time. So uh, I think it, it, it So at that, at that point, it was a lot of talent that uh, played really well together, and it showed. I mean, we had a lot of um, great guys in that room at the time, and we were all at each other's heads all day every day until Ian got there and then Ian took over for those three or four years. But I think what Marcus Freeman is bringing is something special and it's going to change and impact us in a, in a lot of ways that may be better because I think he's way more of a, a player's coach than, uh, than what we've had before. Plus Tommy's there now and he knows what it was like then. And I'm sure he's trying to do different now. Sure. I had one more thing that I wanted to to ask you about, you know, related to the whole, you know, connected to Deshaun and the whole thing. Because we know about your injury, you know, you break your ankle against Virginia in 2015. It allows Deshaun, you know, to come on. He, he has a great year. And then you're rolling into 2016. And I'll, 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 I'll play this. I want to play how Deshaun described it. And then got a couple questions that I want to ask you about that afterwards. All right. So where did it go? So here, so here it is. This is this is him talking about how Brian Kelly kind of set this up with you and and Deshaun at the start of 2016. Kid decided to just let it go. He, he didn't like the concept of making a decision. He, he uh, clearly his history um, with quarterbacks is that he likes competitions. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that a part of being a, a great quarterback is having that leadership and having yeah. that command and having that confidence in yourself. Not having to deal with, you know, every time you miss the ball, thinking about whether or not another guy's going to come in. But, um, but yeah, so we go back and forth all off season. Um, go up the the Thursday before game week against Texas. Sit down, um, thinking like, all right, here it is. I'm about to get named the starting quarterback. I'm pretty confident. I had a good training camp. And he says, "You're both playing." <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, what? What do you mean? And then he was like, "Not only are you both playing, I want you to play every other drive." You're gonna play every other drive, and then you know if someone edges out, we'll figure it out. But we're gonna play every other drive. You got, you guys got two different styles. I'm like, no, we don't have two different styles. You know, he, yeah. yes, Malik is a better oh, runner than me, but I'm gonna run the same as that offense. Him, whatever. Okay, so again, there's Deshaun Kaiser talking about how BK, you know, went to you guys, said you're gonna you're gonna split the reps uh, at at quarterback. Are you still there with us, Malik? And I'm not sure if he is. He was he was there right up until things went black. Just a second ago, it was a very interesting situation, obviously. And that was the start of the 2016 season. And we know how 2016 ended up. You know, it was, uh, I think, from from the start of that to the way things played out, Brian Van Gorder fired his defensive coordinator in the middle of the season and the whole thing. It was uh, it was a, a very up and down season, obviously, Jess. Yeah, and I, I like uh, what Kaiser was kind of getting at there. I don't think it's fair to either of those guys, and you have to make a decision and, and let that guy kind of you know go through the lumps and bruises of what it means to be a starting quarterback, and that's how you learn and that's how you get better uh, is you, you, know, you take charge and you learn from your mistakes. It's just like any great quarterback. They're not going to go out there. You, you listen to Troy Aikman talk about all the time his first year in the NFL and all the mistakes he went through. You hear the same thing from Peyton Manning, it, you know, that translates to college guys shouldn't have to worry about, you know, drive to drive, throw to throw, whether or not they're going to, you know, play the next series, play the next downs, whatever it might be. So, 
I was very interested to hear what Malik had to say about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get get him here soon. But it looked like he was uh, going through a lot of different things <laughs> there. All I got to say is I, would, I wish I was wherever he was because it looks sunny uh, and bright outside. And I don't know about you, but it's been very dark and gloomy the last couple of days here. Yeah, I know. It hasn't been freezing cold here. We haven't had any snow, but it, uh, it has definitely not been sunny here. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, so Malik was having some issues with the connection there. And uh, hopefully he's able to get that solved. But, uh, I mean, he, he was in the car and, and juggling a lot of things at once to begin with, you know. So we definitely appreciate him coming on. If we can get him back, we'll uh, we'll talk to him a little bit more a little bit later on. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.